Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Not to play devil's advocate, but why do you guys hate cars? You know, it's really funny. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that we hate cars. We're, we're not anti-car. We're pro-public transit. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, a discussion of one of the topics making news this week. This is KCBS In-Depth. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth. I'm reporter Holly Kwan. It seems like drivers can't get a break in San Francisco these days. Howard Street between 3rd and 4th in front of Moscone Center was closed for most of September because of several big events. The governor's global climate summit and then a few weeks later the Dreamforce Conference. Now here comes Oracle Open World closing the street from October 17th through the 27th. It's almost enough to get you to ride public transit and that's what Rachel Hyden is hoping for. She's executive director of the advocacy group San Francisco Transit Riders, and she also spent five years working for Muni at the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency. And in a city where we're seeing congestion at an all-time high, we're not hitting our climate goals. Climate change is very real and very much happening. Public transit is the most efficient, affordable, and, and really environmental way to move masses in a dense city. So it's not about getting rid of cars. It's just about prioritizing public transit and moving more people in the most efficient way possible. You understand that people who drive, though, f- sort of feel that way. They feel like, you know, they're persona non grata. You know, smokers and, mm-hmm. and, and drivers are almost like sort of in the, in the same category. Yeah. Um, and everywhere you look when you come into the city, it's not just the construction. It's like you have um, Oracle Open World and Dreamforce and they're mm-hmm. closing down you know, Howard Street, and, and then they're taking away um, lanes to make more bike lanes and, mm-hmm. and bus lanes. And it's like, ah, we're under assault. I mean, I'm certainly empathetic. Like, I understand. I, I grew up in rural Ohio where I required a car to get around. And so I understand that to some extent people do need a car, but not everyone. Not not everyone needs a vehicle to get around. And And the reality is, again, with congestion at an all-time high, we need people to start looking at more efficient ways to get around. And that means possibly giving transit a try, give biking a try, walk to work. It's a healthy way to get around. Okay, so that's good for somebody who, who lives in the city, in uh-huh. in urban area. Um, yeah. Do you feel like, are, are you preaching to the to the choir in San Francisco and, and the message needs to go out to areas where, um, you know, people don't live within this the seven by seven mm-hmm. do people who live in the city still need that message you've got uber and lyft and, mm-hmm. and muni and, and 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 bart even all within san francisco yeah and and, and that's a and, and getting those people are any of those people actually driving so it's actually pretty interesting the ta um sfcta just released a report recently about the prevalence of tncs and their impact on congestion in san francisco and a lot of people talk about how TNCs have flooded our streets. And there's no doubt about that. It's certainly true. Those are the, the Lyft and Yeah, the Lyfts Uber. and Ubers. Okay. But the, the reality is in San Francisco, it's 15% of all single occupancy vehicle trips are by like Lyfts and Ubers. So that's still 
85% of people in San Francisco that are just driving around. I would have, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. So as San Francisco transit riders, that's really who we're targeting. There's no doubt that people are coming in from the greater region, driving their vehicles and parking to get to work. But there's also still a lot of people in San Francisco that are driving. And those are the people who we really want to talk to and try to convince, give transit a try. I maybe just because I've heard that message so much that it still boggles my mind that there are people in the city who 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 drive their cars because I hear so many um you know younger people who are living in these dense high rises mm-hmm. no they don't need to have a car they you know don't even have to have a license um but because they can they can uber or they can lift or they can walk or mm-hmm. they can they can take the bus or or something like that I mean the bus is so much more of an accepted and desirable mode of transportation. And I've heard that from from younger people, but these are people who live kind of close to the inner, you know, the, the downtown area mm-hmm. to the to the work centers. Um, is there is it our generational or a demographic kind of split and the people who are driving versus the people who aren't? I don't know that off the top of my head, but what we do see is that car ownership is quite high in the outer neighborhoods where public transit isn't as robust. And we also, as an organization, have a challenge when we talk about encouraging people to give transit a try because the reality is it's not working that well for people right now. So when I say, hey, you know, give up your car and take the T, like the T doesn't show up on time or it takes an hour and a half to get across town on the T. Why why wouldn't you just drive your car? It's going to probably take 25 minutes. So those are the challenges that we're looking at is it's to one extent getting people out of their cars to get them onto transit, but we don't really want to push that message until we can actually deliver them a product or a service that's actually going to compete with the car. It, it, uh, I start to think of, of, of transit week. Yeah. Uh, recently, <laughs> recently when, when you had like all these, these elected officials that are showing up on city hall steps saying, try transit. And some of them were late. Yeah. What happened? That was very interesting. Uh, and I had an I had this feeling that that was going to happen, and then it did. And I was like, "Oh, my worst nightmare has been realized." <laughs> uh, what I what I think is really important to notice um, is SFMTA Muni has been investing significantly in their bus service, rolling out new red lanes, the new buses, transit signal priority, what have you. Uh, while it seems like rail service is actually in the decline, and if you note on that day, the folks that were late or had some type of meltdown, they were on rail lines, and. And so that, you know, that I think that's it's interesting because I personally believe that the bus is the unsung hero of public transportation. And I'm very proud of Muni for all the efforts that they've done to improve bus service. But we can't look away from the fact that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people take rail every day uh, and, and they're suffering. OK, yeah, it's a hard it's a hard sell when something like that happens. Yes, it, it is a hard sell. Uh, and the I think what I really want to point out about that, though, is. That was just one day, one press event where, look, if you're late to a press event, your livelihood's not at stake. You're not going to lose your job, right? But this is a daily occurrence for people who can't rely on you need to get them on time, who have to buffer their schedule an hour, an hour and a half, just to make sure that they can get get in on time in a, in a city that is seven by seven miles. Like, how can it take over an hour to get somewhere by, by transit? That's That's an issue. And I think that some a lot of muni writers feel like, well, that's just that's what you have to accept if you're going to do it. And 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 mm-hmm. I, I think I've heard you say before, you don't want um, the bus and or public transit to be because you have to. Exactly, we want it to be a first choice. 
It's not right now. So how do you fix that? I mean, is it beyond your control because, you know, you're not in charge of Muni? I don't think it's beyond. I don't think it's beyond our control. I think it, it's about transit riders speaking up and taking ownership of their ride. Uh, and, and the way that we do that is that we make the bus and we make rail competitive to the car. So we make sure that it's affordable. We make sure that it's clean and people feel comfortable. And we give it a priority so that it is actually faster to take a train or a bus than it is to drive your car. If you look at BART, um, that had been its the big benefit for a long, long time. Um, it, or even AC Transit, you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. trans-based service. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of people say that they actually tried the AC Transit um, trans-based service because BART was getting so crowded. Yeah. You know, and, and again, with, with BART being crowded, that's, that's, you know, are you the victim of your own success? And how do you deal, how do you deal with that? Yeah, well, they're bringing on new cars that are going to have more capacity and they're going to be running more cars, hopefully soon. Uh, so that's going to address that challenge. Obviously, what we really need is a second Transbay tube so that we can run 24-hour service. Again, that's one of those things I never thought I would see was a fourth bore at the Caldecott Tunnel. Yeah. You know, and, and <laughs> we were all yeah, yippee about that, but that sort of flies in the face of getting people out of their cars. Yes, but I mean, is that is that a is that a good thing from from the, the the public transit perspective? You know, do they do you let them make a fourth board at the Caldecott so they can drive in, or because capacity on BART is mm-hmm. is you know bursting at the seams? So capacity on BART is bursting at the seams during rush hour, which is obviously when the majority of people need to take it. BART is looking into programs of how can we incentivize people to to ride off peak. Can we work with large employers? Can we, you know, what kind of incentives can we do so that people maybe can show up at 10 a.m. instead of 9 a.m.? Is that something that that has worked elsewhere? I mean, why does it seem like everybody else has a better public transit system than we do? Or is that a, or is that a perception, a misperception? I, I, I would say when we look at it across the globe, we are we are a joke. If you look at Paris, if you look at just in Europe in general, their transit systems are efficient, are, are affordable, and are super fast, right? But if you look across the country, uh, we actually do have one of the most robust public transit systems in the country, and people look at us as a model. So Muni is the only bus system that actually does all-door boarding across the full system. Thanks to Transit Riders Advocacy, we are you know one of the only systems that has such a robust transit-only lane network. Uh, we're, you know, we do our transit signal priority. We do a lot of things that other systems look at as a model, but it's still not good enough. We don't enforce our priority appropriately. We let people park in bus zones. We let people park in transit-only lanes. It's kind of like lawlessness. It's just, it's okay. As a transit rider, mm-hmm. great. We have these, you know, red bus lanes. Um, we have these these things that are supposed to make it easier to to be on on the bus or mm-hmm. on the rail, but it's not working as well as you would like to see because there there aren't that many people. I mean, the, the cars are no longer in three lanes; they're now in two lanes. Yeah, it does help. It helps a lot. So I w- was a daily rider on uh, the Mission Lines fourteen fourteen R before the red lanes went down, and then after. And the the difference is significant. You can feel it. You feel like you're going faster, whether or not it shaves off two minutes or it feels like ten minutes. Um, it makes the ride a lot better, but it's still not being appropriately enforced. If there's just one car 
double parked in a trans-only lane, that's going to impact 100 people on the bus. And that's not okay. So we really need to see more more, pri- more enforcement on these types of transit priority investments. I mean, if you, you're spending $2 million on a transit priority project and you're just letting it degrade, why? Why are we doing that? Right. Would you bother to do that for? Yeah, exactly. And that's an argument I hear a lot from people who are who want to be able to drive their car, who are uh, anti-transit for whatever reason. Is It doesn't matter if you roll out all these red lanes. People are going to drive in them. People are going to park in them anyway. And so that's something that SFMTA needs to get a handle on. Is that a responsibility of, of San Francisco police? I think it's both. I that That's a, always kind of confusing to me to some extent. So SFMTA has this program called Transit Only Land Enforcement. It's a camera on the front of a bus that can take a picture of a car that's double parked in a transit only lane, and then they'll mail the person a ticket. So that's through the authority of the SFMTA. But I believe that, you know, if you're a car that's like blowing through the fort, like there's a forced right turn on Mission Street. If you just blow through that red, I think SFPD could pull that person over for violating the law. But in general, SFMTA needs to do a better job of, of ticketing with with transit land enforcement. You worked at SFMTA, mm-hmm. and so you sort of know that the system in, in and out. Um, where do you see improvements? If you were king, what would happen? Um, you know, where where do you where do you focus on first? <sighs> That's a great question. I think there's a lot of issues with line management at, at SFMTA and lack of uh, operators and just generally bodies that are out managing the service. So we see we see trains and buses leaving the terminal late, leaving the terminal bunched, uh, and that creates really poor service. And not to mention the operator shortage has been an issue a long-standing issue at Muni for like decades. We need to get a grip on that so that we can actually deliver the scheduled service on the street and then we can start expanding service. So there's a lot of gaps, I would say, in evening frequency, on weekend frequency that I would address. And then, um, I mean, I should say always be building a subway, of course, but uh, but that takes a long time and it takes a lot of money. So in the meantime, I would I would focus on quick fixes that we can do right now, which is things like red transit only lanes, things like uh, better balanced bus stops, transit signal priority, transit signal preemption. Um, I would really focus on those types of quick fixes for the for the rider right now. Okay. Speaking of, of building subway, the, the central subway system, mm-hmm. how, where is that now and, and how's that coming along and how's that going to help? <laughs> you laugh. I don't I mean, know. You laugh and that makes me worried. <laughs> I don't know. It's been, it's every time I turn around, there's another delay. And and that's really frustrating. Um, apparently, well, it, it seems like in the United States we don't know how to build subways. They can do it so much quicker in Paris, and I I don't totally understand why. Um, there, I think there's a lot of interesting opinions about Central Subway. People either love it or they hate it. I don't think there's really any in between. What we want to see is as soon as this subway is built to Chinatown, we'd like to see that extended up to Fisherman's Wharf immediately. And then we want to start getting the conversation going on other subways. Like, can we get a subway down Geary? What about 19th Avenue? I I don't know if that scares me or impresses me. We should be building out our subway network. I mean, Senator Scott Wiener, when he was a supervisor, I I don't know if he passed legislation or something that says we should always be digging. We also need to get the downtown extension (laughs) built. (laughs) Salesforce Transit Center is is sitting, the box is sitting empty. And it's going to be probably for the next 10 years. 
Yeah, speaking of that, you know, <laughs> that was interesting because those uh, they're working on just trying to keep the center up. I don't know. Every time I hear something great happening with transit, then something else happens that makes you smack your forehead. Yes, I agreed. And it, of course, it all went down during transit week when we're trying to like celebrate transit riders and thank them for you know doing their part to keep the streets moving. And and then, you know, there was the Muni meltdown that Monday morning and then the Trans Bay Transit Center started cracking. It was just like we were out on the streets, ta- like t- just tabling and talking to folks. And we were like, happy transit week. And they were laughing. <laughs> like, are you serious? Like, wow, you picked quite a week for transit week. I was like, ah. Well, OK, so 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 it is. Does it ever feel like you are banging your head against a brick wall? Yes. All the time, actually. So and it feels like we're not being heard. That's the issue that we want SFMTA to listen. It seems like a lot of things that they prioritize aren't in the best interest of the actual rider. So when we want to improve the experience on transit, that means making people feel comfortable, giving them better wayfinding, making fares more affordable and understandable. I mean, there's like 10 different ways you can pay. It's just, it's confusing. It's a confusing experience and we want to make it simple. There's an app called Muni Mobile that you can use and you can pay that way, but it's Hopefully with the next iteration, it's more functional because it's very confusing and the ticket expires after 90 days, which a lot of folks that I know who aren't necessarily daily transit riders, but, you know, every now and then they'll ride, they'll they'll purchase their ticket ahead of time and then forget about it. Or, you know, the next time they take transit, it's been past like 90 days and it's expired. Like, why? Why why does the ticket expire? I've never understood that. But anyway, uh, Muni Mobile, you can... You can pay with your phone, but it's bizarre because like a QR code comes up and it doesn't actually like you don't actually tap it on the clipper machine. You just show it to the agent if they ask for proof of payment or if you're trying to get into Muni Metro, you have to like walk up to the station agent, show it to them and and then proceed in. Um, You are focused on on the city, but obviously public transit is is a regional Mm -hmm. issue. Um, Are there are there other areas, other transit agencies that um, you look to and wish there were better, I guess, integration? Well, I think it's important to take note that there are, I think it's 27 different agencies in the Bay Area, 27 different agencies with 27 different schedules, with 27 different fare structures. That's super confusing. It's extremely fragmented right now. And what I hear a lot from from talking to our members, from talking to regular riders is that they want a more seamless experience. Like, I want a fare structure that it doesn't matter what color bus I get on. It's the same price or I don't, I don't have to, you know, worry. Oh, do I have Clipper loaded with this pass or that pass? Really? Yeah, you're right. Better integration. You know, it blows my mind to hear about BART and Caltrain. They're supposed to have like a scheduled transfer at Millbrae. And they have admitted in the newspaper that, well, sometimes they just don't wait, that they can't make that work. But that's a huge issue. People rely on, you know, getting from one to the other uh, transit agency. So we need to see much better coordination. And you would have thought that by now uh, these things would be integrated. I can't even begin to tell you how happy I was when I found out that um, my Clipper card would work on multiple mm-hmm. uh, multiple agencies. But 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 maybe not all. Or, or correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. But I just figure like, you know, I'm a person who's in my car, but I still have a Clipper card. Mm-hmm. 
um, because I want to use it when I'm on Bard, and then I can use it on Muni, or maybe I can use it on on, on Caltrain. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to know that I can. Yep. It's not an easy thing to try to integrate all these agencies. Uh, and what I think what we really need is a strong regional leader. And so Transit Writers works very closely with a group called Seamless Bay Area that is working on an initiative to do just that, which is to, whether it's to reform MTC or to create an entirely new agency that has a mandate to integrate these these 27 fragmented agencies. So you're talking about, you know, not just buses, but like, you know, BART, Caltrain, mm-hmm. and ACE train. Yep. Or, or right, right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because of all these other things, <laughs> so that's many. terrific for like you know that area. Mm-hmm. But realizing that you know people have really long commutes. Yeah, and you know somebody who's coming in from the Central Valley. I mean, is it even possible to think that they could be on public transit and not have to drive over the Altamont? We'd love to see that in the future. This is this is why people think, oh, it's so much easier for me just to get in the car, or uh, yep. I'm willing to sit in traffic because. There isn't a coordination of fair structures and there isn't a coordination of schedules and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, or am I going to get a seat? Absolutely. And it's more expensive and it takes more time. You know, again, is it is it a rebooting of of our thinking? You know, I think that sometimes people who pay who, who, who get on public transit are either it's not a choice. It's 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 what they're left with Mm -hmm. or they're trying to save the earth. When I think about why I ride transit, when I first moved here, I was a year out of college. So I was broke. I didn't have a smartphone. Uh, So the only way I had to get around was by Muni. Uh, When I think about now, five years later, Muni isn't a last choice for me. If I needed to, I could take other options. I'm lucky to have those types of means. Um, And I don't necessarily ride because I think it's the, I don't feel motivated by like environmental impacts. I just do. And I don't really know why, right? It's just like, to me, it's right. I live on Terraval, so there's the train. And I'm just going to put up with it because this is what you do when you live in the city. You ride transit. Okay. And I think a lot of people probably feel that way. It's a mindset. Yeah, it might be. You know, as opposed to somebody who grew up where, well, like you said, in, in rural Ohio, or if you're living in, in the suburbs, it's, it's the, oh my gosh, it turned 16. I get my license and, you know, can I borrow the car? I know. And I want people to get excited about the first time they get to ride transit without their parents. Like, that would be really cool. Like, when I turned 16, you're right, I was, my dad showed up to my, I worked at an ice cream shop. My dad showed up with my new Dodge Neon 2000. (laughs) And I was so excited. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. Because for me, that represented freedom. But when we talk about living in a, in a dense city like San Francisco, we should start them young. (laughs) Like, let's get youth on transit and let's start training them on the etiquette of riding transit and then let's like celebrate the first time that they get to ride alone like that's really cool what is the etiquette of transit well what what would you like the etiquette of transit to be i want people to respect their fellow rider and to respect the operator like you know the recent stories in in the examiner about operator harassment it's hard to read it's really, really tragic. And I know being an operator is one of the hardest jobs in in the city. But we really need people to just be more respectful. Uh, I hear a lot of people complain about people blasting music, about drinking and drug use on on transit. And those are the those are the types of behavior that make choice riders not want to ride. So if you don't want to be exposed to somebody who's drinking a can of beer at eight o'clock in the morning, you'll just hop in in a ride share. 
or even um, the stories about people getting stabbed on BART. You know, when you're confronted with um, social problems, there's only so much that you can do um, as a writer when you make a decision between, um, you know, public transit or my own safety. Totally. And what what I think is really interesting is that both SFMTA and BART will talk about how well violent crimes to statistically have gone down. But I don't think that changes the fact that the perception of feeling safe on tra- on on transit hasn't changed. If not, it's worse now. I hear a lot from folks who who want to just have more of a presence, have have some type of presence on the train that would make them feel more comfortable. So not necessarily more police, but maybe there's an ambassador program that we can roll out uh, that already exists on Muni. It's called MTAP. I don't know what the acronym stands for, but uh, but it's folks who. You know, they wear like a yellow vest and they ride on on buses with uh, school kids um, to just, you know, keep an eye out for whatever might be happening. And and Bart, I think, is is um, trying to tap, no pun intended, uh, that same type of idea. They are. For, yeah. yeah. And that's exciting. And I'm really excited to, to hear that. And I want to see it expanded on Muni as well, because it's more than just dealing with bad behavior. It's also customer information. Like if somebody's writing the system for the first time, this person could offer them advice or, you know, help with how to pay your fare or where you're going. I, I, you have such a good attitude about this, you know, as opposed to like, oh, my God. You know, it's funny. Uh, well, I've only been in the transit game for like five years. Right. So I haven't been beaten down yet. And I what especially, you know, I've been I've been the executive director for a year and a half now. And to see how quickly the organization has grown means that there's an interest in this and that people want this. So I want to harness that energy and, and make it make it happen. What, if I was somebody in the city or anywhere going, OK, all right, she's convinced me. <laughs> I'll try this. What's the first thing I should do? Get a clipper card. That's the best way. I mean, especially if you're going to take Muni. Muni is three dollars now if you pay by cash. Uh, if you use your clipper card, it's only two fifty. What should people be doing with their frustration? that whenever they come into work and they're late because um, because there was a minibus in the way or that my sub- subway train broke down or something like that. I mean, a lot of people feel like they, they complain about it at work and then they forget. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a good question, I think, because right now it's difficult to complain, especially to SFMTA. This is something that we are working on is how can we improve 311 process so that it's easier to complain and so that Muni actually listens uh, because I don't think that they're listening to 311 complaints right now. Uh, but in the meantime, I think it's really important for folks to, one, know who your district supervisor is and let them know. Two, you know, November <laughs> is right around the corner. Know, know who's, who's running for su- supervisor. Know their stances on public transit and vote that way. Uh, supervisors have a lot of influence over SFMTA. It, they don't have authority, but they have a lot of influence. And they often only hear from, the, I call them the squeaky wheels, which is the same old, same old people who want their parking spot in front of their store or in front of their house. They don't hear from transit riders complaining about their service. So it's really, really important that you speak up, you let your supervisors know, uh, figure out a way to reach out to SFMTA. You can email Ed Riskin directly. Uh, and then I would just say, my organization is also, you know, we meet monthly with with SFMTA directors. We meet with the transit team, uh, and I bring these types of complaints directly to them. So, f- feel free to reach out to me. It's hello at sftransitriders.org. 
Um, and I, and you know, you can be the con- I'll, I'll you, listen. You can be the conduit. I'll be the middleman. Yeah. You've been listening to KCBS in depth with Rachel Hyden, executive director of the advocacy group San Francisco Transit Riders. I'm Holly Kwan. You've just heard KCBS in depth, a news interview program for all news 740 and FM 106.9 KCBS. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.